Welcome to the April 4th installment of the Williams and Bloom Sunday night podcast here on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. Bloom is out this week. He is under the weather. I'm going to bring Jared Stansbury from Cyclone Fanatic in, and we won't miss a beat. A lot to get to with really the first full week of the TJ Otzelberger era. Uh, Coach has his staff now put together. We'll discuss the first week and what you need to know. Also, some spring football talk as that kicked off over the last week. Jared and I will look ahead to Monday night's national championship game in college basketball. But I want to thank our friends at Mechdyne. You can check them out at mechdyne.com. Check out their software services, engineered structures. They do phenomenal things. I took Stansbury up there one time just so he could get a look at just like all the just crazy stuff that they're doing. At one point, I don't want to like misspeak here. I'm sure they'll let me know if I am, but they were doing some sort of like... um, like virtual reality for some military, like for medics to like run. It is crazy the type of cool stuff that they do up there in the great city of Marshalltown, Iowa. It's a worldwide company. They have locations all over the globe, and you can be a part of it. Go to mechdyne.com. I'd encourage you to check out their careers page. They're always looking for great Iowa Staters. Even if you're not an Iowa Stater, they want good people, good, wholesome Central Iowans. Check it out at mechdyne.com. Today, they're the proud sponsor of the Williams & Bloom Sunday night podcast. With that, let's get to Jared Stansbury. We have a lot to get to tonight, but of course, we can't start the Sunday night podcast without a little English. I love it. All right. First of all, happy Easter. What a beautiful day. If you didn't mind a little wind. In honor of Bloom not being here, we'll do the joke. It was uh, windier than a Dan McCartney press conference out there today. How do you like that, Bloom? All right, we'll kill English and we'll bring in Stansbury. What's up, Jared? Joins us via What's the up, Zoom man? via the Zoom tonight. I hear myself echoing. I yeah. hope that's not no, coming you, through on your end too. It's, it's not coming through here, so that's okay. something going okay, on cool. over at the uh, at Stansbury House. Um, is we are we're recording over Zoom tonight, and uh, what a cool tool that we didn't even really recognize a year ago, and now it's kind of how we run the world. Um, anyways, Stansbury, we do have a lot to get to, not just saying that the first week of the Otzelberger era, spring football started for Iowa State. Can't wait to the spring game. Not. I saw a bunch of spring games going on. Like Clemson was having theirs. and be like, oh, that'd be fun. Did his Campbell talk? And nobody talked about that. Like they sent out the media schedule and we didn't see anything. Like they're not going to have one. I think that they're not going to have a spring game until further notice. <laughs> Just, just Campbell, this coach's decision. Kind of just like assume it. that they're not going to play one until they tell you that they're going to play it, one. Probably, it's, it's basically like a Trevor Downey knee injury. Yes, it's day to day. The spring game, as we know it, is day to day unless until Matt Campbell tells us differently. Damn it! Exactly. Um, okay, we'll start with basketball then, as that's the juicier conversation right now and. In- 
Uh, we'll get into football. Bloom and I were talking about football. I think it was last week about how it it's great, like going into a spring season where you kind of just don't have a lot of question marks, and and that's kind of what it feels like. Otzelberger's staff is official. We talked about Kyle Green last week here on the show that we were pretty positive he would be the guy. J.R. Blunt from Colorado State is hired a day after. Jared, I got to spend a lot of time up there in the basketball offices earlier this week getting to know those guys. They are all going to come on and do podcasts with me, so that'll be really cool to, to get them on the record and talk to them about everything that's going on. Um, but all in all, I mean, I really like the staff. Um, it's hard to not like a staff, frankly, until you see what they do. But I, I see what TJ's doing here. He he believes, and he's told me this, uh, he believes that uh, Kyle Green is one of the elite recruiters in the Midwest as far as spotting talent goes and relationships, specifically in the state of Minnesota. That's a great get. And then J.R. Blunt, I – I mean, I, I didn't really know anything about him until he was hired, Jared, but the, if you talk to people around the business, and I have, I've texted a handful of head coaches and assistant coaches across the country. This is a young guy who has a great reputation. I got to spend about an hour with him just talking to him, basketball philosophy and recruiting stuff in his office the other day and I was blown away I like he's very charismatic I really like him I'm excited about this staff I I, I think that it's a listen it, it's exactly what he said he was going to do in his opening press conference is just get what did he say the other day we're gonna suffocate the Midwest and everybody freaked out but it was a good line and I mean if you look at his staff with D-Rob and his Chicago ties uh, J.R. Uh, and TJ with Wisconsin, and then um, Kyle Green and Minnesota. It is a very well connected staff in the Midwest. Yeah, and I think Jer- uh, I think Blunt's got uh, great ties as well in um, in the Chicago area too. Obviously, played at Loyola Chicago. Uh, I think that he's probably got some guys that he you know obviously knows in that area too. So um, the thing that I like about it the most is that they've proven it. You know, like these are guys who have gone and gotten good players. They have helped develop good players. And it's not just like a theoretical thing, you know, Mm -hmm. like I think the one thing that we can look back with Steve Prohm's staff is how much of a, I don't know. There were question marks, I think, from the very beginning that maybe we didn't see, you know. Uh, I think that it was always the southeastern Focus yeah. was always going to be a problem. But right. then they got, you know, they started doing, they got Tyrese, they got THT. Um, and you're, but then, it, you know, just having that, like your kind of your, your ballpark being the Southeast was tough. Yeah. And it's just, it's hard to go into somewhere where people don't recognize what Iowa State means and have that register with people, you know. And you know that where these guys want to recruit, whether that's Milwaukee, Minnesota, which actually I think that adding Kyle Green is is, is a, as big as anything because of the fact that Iowa State really has not had success in recruiting Minnesota in recent years. I don't even know the last kid that they got out of Minnesota uh, at this point. I don't know that they've ever gotten one in my time that I've been covering the program. So to be able to unlock that, this Metro that's only three hours down the road, um, 
they've obviously done so well in Milwaukee. They've done well in Chicago. I mean, I, I just think that this is going to give them an opportunity to find kids who recognize what Iowa State means, who have an understanding of what Iowa State is uh, nationally or regionally, I guess. And, you know, will in theory be more invested into that. And, like, you know, there's going to be – like there's some good kids that are coming up in the state of Iowa, even that are going to be, you know, important on their list, whether it's a team in Lipsy or if you want to talk about uh, whether or not they're going to get into the, the sweepstakes for an Omaha blue out in, in Waukee or, uh, you know, there's, there's going to be countless other ones too. I, Matt Bain has done a fantastic job for the register of covering the, the Iowa high school recruiting scene on that, in that area. But um, there's a lot of really good players coming through mm-hmm. and, you know, guys like D Rob guys like Kyle green are going to be huge and in, in being able to build those relationships and, and land some of those players, you know, where maybe Jake Sullivan wasn't as wrong as we thought that he was yeah, uh, I, I never, in December. I never thought that Jake's uh, what's funny about that. I never thought Jake was wrong. Yeah. No, I, like his premise. I always actually agreed with the, the part I disagreed with Jake's thing was that that's the only way you can do it here because there's so many examples of Iowa State basketball where and that's simply not the case. That was always yeah, that, that was always my thing with it. And I'll cut Jake some slack too where like the talent in this state has gotten a lot better than what it was five, ten years ago. Even when Jake was running an AAU program here, there's more talent now. Yeah. Than those days. And I, I mean, I think the fact that guys like Jake were starting no to run those AAU Absolutely. programs is why that talent has grown. Just because there was nothing like even go back to when I was in high school in the early, you know, 2010s, we didn't have those things, you know, like I'm sure they existed, but someone in, in a lot of areas of the state did not have an opportunity to go and play AAU. And that has suddenly changed. And that's where you've seen that grow. Um, but that's where, how you get, you know, some of these kids that are from smaller schools that are all of a sudden on the radar of these D one schools, but that's a whole other conversation. But no, I, I think that the staff is great, man. I think that it's a, it's a group that's going to fit in really well with what Iowa state is trying to do. And it's going to end up, you know, making it a, a situation where they have an opportunity to, I don't know that suffocates the right word, but have an opportunity to be very competitive in, in this region. You know, obviously it's going to get more difficult with Shaka going to Marquette. Uh, I think it's going to get more difficult even with Ben Johnson going to Minnesota. But, you know, these guys are going to have a chance to to get in the living rooms and and sell Iowa State of some of the best kids that, that are going to come out of this region here in this, you know, in the six states right here around Iowa. I also just having enough conversations with TJ about recruiting philosophy over the years. I, I do think, too, that he is a pretty well, – I don't think I know – He's very calculated on who he offers. And when I say that is TJ's not the type that's just going to sprinkle offers everywhere. Like when when you hear of an Iowa State offer, you're pretty sure that they're a player, right? It's not generally a, well, we hope we can get in on this guy. Like he he's a very calculated recruiter in that sense. Like, you know, like, so how do you get Craig Brackens going way back in the day? Well, it, it's because there's a relationship there that makes you think that you can be a real player there. So I think that's important. And another thing, too, and there are a couple examples of this that, that came out this week, and I want people to understand the transfer thing's odd. We had a couple of instances last year 
where guys were saying that they had offers from Iowa State. Well, a lot of these young men are really smart. And even if, if they just get a phone call, like a single phone call, they'll claim an offer and they'll tweet it out and stuff like that. You just really have to be careful with offers when it comes to a lot of these transfers because I just it's really hard to decipher what's real and what's not all the time. Again, in the, and I wrote about this for our premium subscribers because I had some pretty good information. But there were a couple this week, Jared, where they were claiming like Iowa State was in the top three or five or whatever, and Iowa State had never really told the young man, Nick, we would actually take you. So it it's it's confusing. Like I, I understand when fans see, oh, top five, like to get excited or even mad. Um, that, but it's not always the reality either. And that's yeah, really evolved very, over the years too. There's a very clear difference between contacting someone and offering someone, but also those lines can get blurred because of the way that recruiting works right now. You know? Yes. Just where if someone is contacting you, especially if you're a transfer, like automatically you're probably thinking like, Oh, well I can go here if I want to, you know? And it's about, trying to hype yourself up. Like you want people to see like, Oh, I can go to Kansas or I can go to USC, exactly. you know, like, even, like I, I saw Joe Yesifu from Drake earlier this week. He'd been contacted by Nebraska and USC and all these other schools. And I'm like, man, I mean, it's as good as Joe is. Like, I think Joe's a really good player. He obviously had a great season for Drake after Roman Penn got hurt. I have a tough time seeing Joe going through the grind of the big 10 as a starting two guard you know, or a starting point guard. But I mean, maybe he, he'll end up at one of those schools that again, that's a whole other conversation, but it's just, this whole deal is weird. It's and it's shady. Like people, I think people don't realize quite exactly how shady it is sometimes. Well, and I, I'm not going to get into the specifics here on the podcast. I, I wrote about this for our premium subscribers, but there was one scenario. Uh, I'm a transfer out there right now where the, uh, the prospect was being shopped by a current assistant coach from a program in the country, uh, a low major program. And he was trying to get himself a job and uh, the places where he was trying to get a job got mentioned as a top three list. Well, the, the young man didn't actually have offers from those two places because they, neither of them wanted this guy on staff. So the kid ended up transferring to the low major and he went down a couple levels really and it is shady. Um, not everything's like that. Another thing, too, I talked to a source, and it wasn't anybody at Iowa State uh, this weekend, uh, just for clarification. But they they told me, uh, the source said, okay, if there's 1,200 guys in the transfer portal, 900 of them suck. And the other 300 now, like it used to be like a couple schools were, were diving in on the transfers, and now everybody is. So it's just gotten different. And you have to be really smart about how you – take guys and we've seen that at Iowa State where you just you know when you miss on them and then it it can you're you're really hindering yourself going forward so it's it's difficult Iowa State is on a, on a couple of really high talent guys and we'll see how that goes hopefully there's some progress made over the next week but um as we're also seeing too every day new guys are going into the portal so um just stay tuned it it's a interesting time and uh, I will say, as far as this current staff and how they're working, 
it's very early. Uh, I think a lot of people forget. So TJ was named the head coach, uh, whatever day it was. But this staff didn't have its first day together until last Tuesday. So it's we're in the infancy part of this situation. Yeah, and I think, man, we've talked so much about how the transfer situation has changed and everything like that, for especially for Iowa State, obviously. But I don't know that we ever anticipated even a couple years ago that the transfer deal would get this big. Like there's so many, as, as much as there is those 900 players that are out there that aren't very good, there's still the 400 that are good. Like when did we ever anticipate that there'd be 400 good transfers? You know? Yeah. Like no, you're not all of a point. sudden digging where it's like you've got 50 good transfers and then you've got, you know, Jeff Beverly. It's, it's, like, it's, not real, to, it's real free agency now. Yeah, exactly. And just like look at see, the NFL, there's a ton of free agents, but there's only 15 every year that people will spend big money on. Right, exactly. And that's like, that's what I think is just so wild about how this has happened. And it's going to be interesting to see how much more of this develops over time. Because it, it, it would not shock me if we get to the point where there's 2,000 kids in the portal. No, I don't I think mean, so either. Give it a couple next of years. Next year, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I bet. There's some projections about 1,400 is what they think that'll end up on this year. So if that's the case, then it, it almost works as a a positive for the schools because it on some level it could end up like course correcting where evaluations were messed up on in uh, in high school recruiting. You know where kids could end up at the level that they're really supposed to be at to begin with, but there was a misevaluation or something like that, and then they end up in a better situation for them. And I mean, I guess that's my hope in the end is that it works out kind of for both for everybody, but I don't know. It's just, it's a weird deal, man. Like, and I don't think that it's near creating the transfer portal and all that kind of stuff, I think brings it up much more above board than what it ever was before. And, you know, I think that this staff is going to have an opportunity to do really well in that because I think that they're going to be really good at developing relationship and, you know, even if you don't get a kid the first time around, if you have that relationship with someone, then it opens the door for you to get them on the on the second time around. And and it seems like those second time arounds are second time around is going to come around a lot more than it maybe did before. All right. Um, last basketball piece. Let's talk about the transfer from Denver, Robert Jones. Not the sexiest commitment Iowa State has ever gotten when you look at his numbers. He's a nine and five guy from the Summit League. Uh, after he signed, I, I, I called TJ and I said, hey, the fans are giving you all sorts of crap about this guy. And um, TJ's response was, why? He's a high-energy guy. He's a great fit culturally for what we want to build. He will run the floor. He's six foot ten, and he plays really good defense. We don't have a guy like that right now um, with that type of a – motor and I was like oh well that's a really good way to put it um, you have a lot of scholarships to fill I have no idea Jared how good Robert Jones will be as a cyclone but I do think that there's something to bringing a big guy in to put I think I'm on the record now I've 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 had a lot of faith in this young man since the day he stepped on campus I think George Condit has a breakout senior season I think we saw him get into better shape after the COVID stuff and play really well at the end of the year. Xavier Foster, we all know what happened to him, having to have season-ending surgery. 
I don't think that I can complain about getting a six foot ten guy at the very least to push those two, and that that's kind of my take on this. I mean, clearly you're not bringing Robert Jones in to be the next Calvin Cato at Iowa State, but you know, after talking to TJ, I absolutely see what he's trying to do with this young man. Yeah, and it I absolutely agree with what you said about George. I want to say that off the bat because I think, I think he's going to have a huge year. I think a lot changed for that young man in the last month of the season and I think that he really focused a lot on doing the things that he needed to do to be the best version of himself. And it's, it's really cool because I'm proud of that kid, man. He has really worked hard um, to turn, turn things around uh, back going in a positive direction. This deal is weird to me, the way that fans have reacted because it was not that long ago that just think every time they would recruit a big man, it's a guy that's six foot eight, six foot nine. Oh my gosh. He's not big enough. Why can't we get some seven footers? Okay, well, now you're going to have three, and we're bitching about one of the three. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's it's something where it's like, okay, well, you got what you wanted. You've got big guys. You've got big guys who are athletic, that can move, that can run the floor, that can – a guy in Xavier Foster who can stretch the floor even, you know, and then all of a sudden now you're like, okay, but we don't want – well, we don't want this 6'10". The, the best-case scenario, Jared – is that Robert Jones doesn't have to play that much because Foster and Conant are so damn good. Exactly. That's exactly. the best case scenario. And it's a depth play. You know, they're not expecting, I don't think they're expecting Robert Jones to come in and be a guy who's going to average 20 and 10. Like there's nothing, there's never been anything that has given us any indication that that would be the case. But that doesn't mean that taking a chance on someone to come in and be a guy who can give you 10 minutes off the bench and get you you know, five points and five rebounds in a night on a night when George Conant or Xavier Foster gets into foul trouble. There's a lot of value in that in fouls even. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. And and when you all of a sudden now, okay, you only have two big men that you really trust that can play that five spot. And then you get into a game where you've got a bunch, you know, you're playing West Virginia and they've just, they're throwing just guy after guy at you. And, you know, George Condit picks up three fouls right in the early in the game or something like that. You could put Robert Jones out there and you can trust him to not be incompetent, I guess would be the best way to put it. And, like, you're not all of a sudden going from where you have three for two 6'10 guys on your front line, 6'10 or 7-foot guys on your front line, to all of a sudden you have to put in a 6'6 guy or 6'5 guy to guard the five. Like, it... I and, don't know. It's And I would also put... It's a no-brainer to me. TJ's contacts in the Summit League, too. Um, he's not just going to blindly take this kid. You know, TJ right. coached in the Summit League for three seasons. Uh, one of his former assistants, Hendo, is the head coach at South Dakota State right now. TJ knows all sorts of guys in the Summit League. So I'm sure he did his homework. Um, and, and I would also point out that just um, every, you know, you got a lot of scholarships to fill, right? And you need depth guys and you, like whatever. Like I, my, my old deal, if you're upset about it, fine. If you don't think Robert Jones is going to be any good because his numbers weren't great in the Summit League, I get it. I would I would challenge you to let the staff do some recruiting together, right? I will say this, though. They added two nice pieces. I, I, I think Iowa State basketball is better now than it was this roster than it was two weeks ago with the kid from Washington State and Jones for a little depth. They need some guards. We know that. 
I mean, I, I think the number one recruiting thing they're doing right now is trying to keep Tyrese Hunter. If you have him with, and if you can get Lipsy locked up, which is a high priority, and keeping Xavier Foster, I mean, that's a pretty good start. Remember a year, two years ago, Xavier Foster, like how big of a deal that was. We barely saw him this year. And I, I, I don't know. I, I think that that's just something to keep in mind. You get 13 scholarships. If Jalen Coleman lands, comes back, starting to feel more like he's going to. I'm just starting to feel, I don't know. I don't, uh, the, the staff doesn't know yet. Jalen's taking his time, finding the best decision for him. But, I don't know. Like, I just feel, Jared, like if he was like, oh, I want to go pro, he'd probably be, you know, being as old as he is, the hell out of here by now, Mm -hmm. working with an agent and a trainer or something like that. But he's not. He's still hanging around names. So that's just my gut, and we'll see. But that would be a nice piece. If you get Jalen Coleman lands back for his seventh year or whatever it is, I mean, hell, sign me up right now. I know they didn't win anything with him last year, but – he was still probably your best shooter, right? Right. Yeah, I mean, he's your most consistent shooter, at least. And, I mean, if you can get – if you keep Tyrese Hunter in the fold and then you can get Tame and Lipstein and then if Xavier Foster can develop the way that we think he can, I mean, that's a core for year two. You can win a lot of basketball games with that group, you know, and you can recruit to those three guys. Yeah, because those are three guys that right there are going to give you a chance to be really, really good. You know, and, and obviously Tyrese Hunter is a really high level talent. Maybe he'll come in and just be an absolute freak and be way better than what the current projections have him being. And he'll go with pro or something like that. But even if you bring in Tim and Lipsy, like I think that that kid is way underrated right now. He, his rating suffered immensely from his injury, mm-hmm. and people are going to find out on the national scale here during this off season, how dang good that kid is because he is really, really good. And um, that's a group right there that you can win in the big 12 with, you can make a run at potentially going to the NCAA tournament with in my mind. And, you know, you got to obviously finish the deal with Taman and you got to keep Tyrese in the fold, but that those are cornerstones. Those are people who can be culture changers changers. And I've talked, I talked to Taman on the phone a week and a half ago I mean, that kid, I can just tell, like, you know, he has had a lot of connections to Iowa State in his life. He's been around Iowa State his entire life. If he came to Iowa State, he would care a lot about Iowa State. He would be the exact kind of kids that people here have been craving for in recent years. Well said. Uh, Okay, we'll move on, and we'll get to a little bit of – we're just going to touch on spring football, and then I want to do a lot on uh, Baylor – specifically roster construction. Bloom wrote a great blog about it, uh, and you guys should go check it out. You should also go to the front page of CycloneFanatic.com. We do have details for our uh, Vegas charter for the UNLV game coming up in September. Uh, really good prices. and I'm, In fact, I've seen uh, what some flights are going for commercially right now, and it's insane. And um, we're leaving on Thursday with our friends from Cyclone Liquors. Uh, we're kind of doing this all on our own this year, uh, but uh, Liz, and they've got some very experienced ladies who handle the travel stuff, uh, but we're partnering with them, and we've got all sorts of cool sponsors. I'm sipping on a Cody Road right here. <laughs> You're going to get some Cody Road. We're at the Mandalay Bay. 
uh, Thursday through Sunday. Great prices. Check it out. I, I'm telling you, even if you're like, oh, charters are usually too expensive for me, price it out on your own and compare it to us, and you have the ease of a charter flight. I, we're very, very competitive. Check that out today. I want to thank A-plus Lawn and Landscape for sponsoring our spring football coverage this year. I think they've done this like six, seven years in a row. Appreciate Sean and all he does for us. I actually this week had my sharpen lube service. It was on Friday. I set my push mower out on the front step. They came and serviced it. That is all for me right there. Sharpen the blades, change the oil. I have hired A-plus lawn and landscape personally to do my lawn treatments for well, I think I've been in this house for 11 years now. I think I hired them on year two because I moved in in June and I, I hired them immediately. Um, AplusLawn.com, a great locally owned company. Uh, Sean Edwards is a is a great friend and really like um, really I mean so much that I've used them personally for over 10 years. Also, uh, new sponsor to the Williams and Bloom Sunday Night Podcast, but certainly no stranger to. Anybody who has listened to Cyclone Fanatic podcasts or been on our website for years, it's the Iowa Clinic and the Iowa Clinic Men's Center. True story here, Jared, and this 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 actually reminded me of the Iowa Clinic today. So we were up in Laurelville, um, teeny, 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 tiny small town uh, just south of Fort Dodge. I have some in-laws up there. Have you ever seen one of these uh, hoverboards that the kids do? Yes. You know what I'm talking about? I do, yeah. I absolutely ate it. Oh, I believe it. Oh my god! I in my the left side of my body, I think what I did. So I, I all my weight was caught with my left arm, which is a. I'm lucky it didn't just snap in half because I'm a big boy these days. COVID has not been good to me. <laughs> Anyways, I think I like, I think I like pinched a nerve because I was jolting trying to save myself as I was eating it on this hoverboard. My, niece, my sweet little niece, Kaylee, has his hoverboard. And I thought, while I was lying there on the concrete trying to come to, I was thinking, you know, my friend Dr. Nicholson at the Iowa Clinic and the Iowa Clinic Men's Center would be like, hey, you got to think about your family, man. You don't want your little kid. You don't, you don't, want, you don't want to have to go to the emergency room tonight. Quit doing dumb crap like that. Be a man and go to the doctor. Get your physicals. The yearly physical. Have you gotten your annual physical yet? I do mine every August because I want to be locked and ready for football season. It's easy for me to remember. Last thing to check off the list. I got a Dr. Nicholson there in Ankeny. They've got the beautiful urgent care center now in Ankeny. Always the, the big dog down there in West Des Moines. Go to iowaclinic.com. Check out their physicians and providers. We're a little late now if you wanted to do it, you know, because vasectomy season's a little bit late. I always encourage people to do the little snip snip in March. Um, but maybe, you, maybe you're a big baseball fan. Maybe you do that uh, for a NASCAR weekend. You can always check them out. IowaClinic.com. They've been sponsoring us for a really, really long time. And we're starting to develop that type of a relationship with Jared. So I, I, I emailed Jeff Wood, the owner of Gravitate Coworking. Would you like an office down on Locust Avenue? I would love one. That would be fantastic. Because I asked him, I was like, okay, if if I do this, I need, I can't do this without J Rock. Is what I told him, and he said, yeah, yeah, we got, we got. Did you say some, it exactly like that. Yeah, I said I gotta have J Rock. I gotta have room for J Rock next to me. 
He's like, oh, yeah, we got room for J-Rock. I just wanted to check. Okay, down on the Locust Avenue. Go to GravitateCoworking.com. Maybe you and you've got a coworker. Maybe you want to go in together. Maybe you're one of those. I mean, so many companies worldwide right now. You're not going back to the office, folks. They're cutting their lease. They're trying to save money. I bet you if you go to your boss and say, hey, now that you're going to make me work from home, that's great, but I'd like a place to just go um, for my mental health and just get out of my house. Call GravitateCoworking.com. Go check them out. I'm serious. They've got um, Jefferson, Uptown, or Midtown, Downtown, and in the Cedar Falls area. Check them out today. With that, um, we're going to do a little music as we come back in here to the second part of the program. What type of games being played? How's it going down? It's all to the start that I got to know now. Is you with me or what? Then I'm trying to get me in the hut. Cause hunters want to get me the... I'm politicking with this chicken, wondering if I'm a creeper. Lil' hood rap from 25th named Jamaica coming through like I do. You know, getting my bark on. Knew she was a thug, cause when I met her, she had a scarf on. 5411 size 7 and girl. Baby face would look like A lot of anxiety this weekend. Remember me from way back? I realize that 80% of the audience doesn't care. But your host does. One of my all-time favorite artists. Doesn't matter the genre. People think I'm joking when I say DMX is perhaps the greatest rapper of all time. I'm not. I love him that much. I know his entire catalog. For this kid in southwest Iowa, I was immersed with this growly voice. A guy who wanted to do it different. Listen to these vibes. I'll never forget the first time my dad I had a I had a room in the basement and I had the DMX um, what was his first album card uh, called Life is Dark But Hell is Hot I think is what it was and I had the poster hanging up above my bed and my dad was like, what in the hell are you doing? My dad's a big George Strait guy, right? I was an ex guy. And anyways, I thought we needed to pay tribute to... I hope he lives. If he doesn't, um, probably be doing a Chris Williams podcast where we... I might even cry. But Jared, it's been a... Like, I'm not kidding. Like, I, I, there's probably people thinking that, like, we're doing this, like, jo- I'm not. Like, I I told you yesterday, like, I've been torn up about this. X OD'd and had a heart attack. And the uh, latest we got, the latest news I got, like, it, it ain't good. No. He's probably going to die. critical condition. Yeah, he's probably going to die. And he, and like, we don't need to get into this too much because we're going to get into the championship game. But he, that guy was an icon for about two... He had as good of a two-year run, maybe, as any megastar, but he just didn't have the self-discipline to... You know, he was such a... He had all these demons, and he never could beat them, and it's always really been a shame, but God, he was talented when he was out there. What do you remember about him? Well, I mean, I I think few rappers had the... One year run that DMX did in 1998 was really flesh in my flesh, blood of my blood. 
and it's dark and hell is hot. Yeah. yeah. And I think both albums reached number one on the billboard charts. They did. Yeah. In, in one calendar year. The story behind that is just incredible too, about how <laughs> the label called him. Uh, it was on that, um, drink. What's that podcast we listened to with him on it? Drink champs, Ch- drink champs. And he was talking about it. And basically the label called him and they're, they're like, yeah, we'll give you a million dollars to make a second one because dark as hell is hot was like really hot. Well, he, no, he, uh, flesh in my flesh was oh, really yeah. hot. Yeah. Yeah. And he was like, give me 2 million. <laughs> and they're like, okay. And then he just cranked it out and it goes number one. Yeah. Like the guy was just so hot at that time. And it was right when like TRL and MTV was at its height and he just was so different than anything that we had seen. And I was a, I, people know that I love country music. I, I was as big of a country music fan as I am. Like I, at that time I was a bigger hip hop fan and X just was a guy who, um, I just, I like people, you know me, I just like people do things differently. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And he was just always that. So it, it's a really sad deal. And um, he's probably going to die. I hope he doesn't, obviously. But I thought Jared and I are such big fans of him. We actually got to go see him a couple years ago in, on the east side of Des Moines. And it he was a close personal friend of the entire website. Man, it was it was so cool. And I, I, I still feel bad for you. Jared was going to the restroom at a bar and we were we were getting ready to bounce. And I was standing outside and DMX just walked right by me. And I asked him for a picture and I shook his hand and, and, and Jared comes back out like three minutes later. I'm like, dude, you're never even going to believe it. And I showed him the picture of me and DMX and I thought you were going to cry. Like you were like mad. I mean, at least we got to go to his after party. <laughs> we did. We, we after partied with DMX for hours. Dude, it was the first oh album that I ever, the first rap album I ever owned because I was growing up when like TRL was really hitting its peak. Yep. You know? I mean, maybe not its peak. It was kind of on Carson, the downside. Carson Daly, where was he already gone? Who? Carson Daly. He was like the original host of TRL, I believe. I'm thinking that he was probably already yeah, gone. Yeah, he was probably I, already I doing his own thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, but the <laughs> Grand Champ, an oh. edited version of the Grand Champ album was the first rap album I ever owned. Rap to this day, my favorite genre. And that was when we got the all-time classic, one of the greatest rap records of all time, where the hood at? <laughs> so and good. I saw it on TRL on MTV when I was in the third or fourth grade and my life was never the same from then on. Yeah. Because of DMX. That And, and he was really at that time, we got to change the subject because people are getting annoyed, but he was really creating like radio jams at that point too. Like they were, he was creating them to bounce to, you know, because oh, yeah. I grew up on X when he was really messed up like he he was coming from a really dark spot when when i started listening to him and i don't know he never sold out like jaw did though no he that's, didn't that's he, the one major positive but well, at the end of the day, it's, it's why he faded though because he didn't sell out you know right like he stayed true to the and he is a man with some demons there's a great the day though, prayers up to yeah. close personal friend Eris, earl simmons, earl simmons man turns the corner if you're interested in this jared did you ever Watch the five-part documentary on the Rough Riders. Did you ever watch that on BET? 
I haven't yet, um, man. I, it's uh, on my DVR. I need to watch it. Go, go watch it now. Yeah, I'll do the rest of the podcast. <laughs> it's so good, and it it really paints a pic. I mean, this is a guy, you know, abused physically and sexually as a child. No dad. Like, I mean, it's it's easy to be like, hey, he shouldn't have OD'd. I get it, but like, you just got to put yourself in other people's shoes. The guy was brilliant there for a two, three year span and sold as many records as anybody and just couldn't sustain it. So obviously you can tell how big of a fan I am of the man. I'm equally as big of a fan of Scott Drew and he's got Baylor playing for a national championship coming up tomorrow night. And I couldn't be happier about this. First of all, Jared, just as basketball fans, this is the game we all deserve. I was going to be so pissed if UCLA beat the Zags on Saturday night. I, I have no problem with seeing a big upset. Big upsets are fun. I don't want it this year. I didn't want Baylor and my man, Scott Drew, to beat an 11 seed to win the championship. I want Zags, Baylor. They've been the best two teams all season long. And this is what we all deserve. It's been a bitch of a year. How fired up are you for this game? Dude, I'd say I woke up this morning ready. <laughs> like, yeah. it, honestly, the second that the game last night got over, I was ready. I have been waiting for this game for so long, and we thought we were going to get it in December. Obviously, it didn't work out. But, man, these have been the two best teams since August. Like, we've known for all of this time that these were going to be the two best basketball teams in America. And to finally get this game is going to be so awesome. And, I, and I'm and i confident that it's going to be just an absolutely fantastic basketball game because they're both playing so well right now. And, man, real quick, though, shout out to UCLA, dude. Yeah. Because that team, what they have done in the last couple of weeks is is phenomenal. And Mick Cronin, that man better be getting a raise. I know that they just lost their Under Armour deal, but whatever deal they sign next, they need to give – a big chunk of the money to to Mick Cronin because that guy has has definitely earned his money. But this matchup is going to be so much fun because I think that the guards that Baylor has right now between da- what the way Davion Mitchell is playing, who if Baylor wins this tournament, in my mind, that's the most outstanding player of the, of the whole thing. He has been phenomenal. Uh, what Jared Butler has done, obviously the Big 12 Player of the Year and has been great for the last two years. The way that um, that uh, Adam Flagler and Macy Oteague and Matt Meyer are playing right now. Baylor will, or Gonzaga will not have seen a monster like this. This is a group that I think is as good as any group of guards that we've seen in the last decade. Maybe going back to Kemba Walker and Shabazz Napier and Jeremy Lamb in 2011. Mm-hmm. I don't know of one that's better. The number of guys that they can run out there in a given game is on a different level. And this is the ultimate test for Gonzaga. Obviously they have a place three as being the first team since 1976 to go undefeated. But this Baylor team, if they win, they deserve a spot in his, in history as like a historically great team, because I think that they really are. And it, it's on some level, it's unfortunate that they have to come up against each other, but this is a clash of the Titans. And I am so excited, dude. I'm so amped. I could talk about this game for hours. And the fact that it's Scott Drew takes it completely over the top for me. I I mean, you already know that I'm going to be rooting for the Bears. 
as much as I want to see history made and as cool as that would be for Gonzaga to go undefeated. And even though Adam Morrison was the guy who made me fall in love with basketball back in 2007 with, uh, with his mustache and long hair, I want to see Scott Drew win a national title because that guy deserves it with the way that he has built that program over the last 18 years. I want to talk about Scott Drew. Um, First of all, it's not a joke when I say that I think he's the best coach in college basketball. Maybe he's not the best X's and O's coach. Maybe he's not the best recruiter, whatever. Uh, I look at the total package and we often joke Jared about how, like how awful that program was when Scott Drew took it over besides that. Um, so what, then what was the narrative after he kind of got them out of the doldrums of college basketball after literally one player murdered another, this is, you know, after, you know, the branch Davidian, do you think it's easy to recruit the Waco after that? It's not, uh, I know that he didn't have a great ending to his career. Read Art Bryles book about that, about going outside of that area in that time and saying, hey, come play at Waco. Waco? Branch, you know, it's a real thing, okay? We're a little bit past it now, but I think a lot of casual Americans, if you say Waco, boom, that's what they think of. And I get it. Um, so what, what? let's move the narrative past. So Drew, oh, he's the guy that calls all the timeouts. Uh, he's the guy who gets, uh, he was a known cheater, right? And whatever, maybe he did. I don't know. Um, he, he had the Perry Ellis's of the world, right? And like they're not Perry, Perry, Ellis, Jones. Perry Jones, Perry Ellis was the Jayhawk who played for like nine years. Yeah. Um, he's getting all these one and dones and, and they're always underperforming. They always underperform. They're not well coached. What I love about Scott drew is his one. I, I love the fact that he stayed in Waco. It's just, it's easy to job hop. He's always a guy that's getting brought up. You tell me he couldn't have gotten Indiana if he wanted it. Of course he could have. Like, you tell me that if Scott Drew wanted to look at North Carolina, he could absolutely get a look. I don't know if you get the job. They like to stay in-house. My point being, this is a well-respected man who could get basically any job in the country now because of what he's done in Waco. But what I love about him is not anything in particular that he's done. His number of Elite Eights, I think four now. Um, he doesn't have a does he have a Big 12 championship? Yeah, now, this okay. year. Yeah, okay. Thank you. The regular season one from this year. Yeah. Um, yeah. What I love about him is how he's adapted and evolved. And when it comes to roster building, you know who I think the two best roster builders are right now in college basketball? Not surprising. It's Mark Few and it's Scott Drew. About how um, Few's the best. Uh, because every year it's so consistent. If you watch what he does with his mix of high school guys, transfer guys, grad transfers, it's it's brilliant. Um, there's a blueprint. I think you're going to start seeing Calipari and the Kentuckys and Dukes. Like The one-and-dones are less and less appealing. Not that they're not talented. Of course you want them if you can get them, but you've got to have the, the core around them. And what I've seen Drew do now, um, I think, uh, frankly, I think Fran McCaffrey locked into it. At Iowa, I don't think anybody thought Luca Garza would turn into a two-year Wooden Award winner when he was a freshman at Iowa. Nobody thought mm-hmm. that. But but Fran had enough good college players, good 
good college players, but not good enough to be NBA guys, stick around for four or five years. Drew, I believe, is building this. I think that he is particularly recruiting 50 to 150 ranked guys now instead of the Perry Ellis's and, um, you know, really ball-heavy type guys. He, he's getting certain body type dudes. And um, I just think it's been brilliant to watch him construct his roster based – and I've covered his entire career. I remember the first time Scott Drew – because he was Bryce Drew's brother. I remember writing about it for PsychoNation.com way back in the day. First time he came to Hilton Coliseum. And to see what he was then to the middle of the one-and-done type deal where they always seemed to underperform. And it was always, oh, he's been to three Elite Eights, but how many single-digit seeds did he beat to get there, right? Everybody always had a knock on him. People thought he was a bad coach. Now I think he's one of the best X's and O coaches in the Big 12. People can mock him all they want. I think I, I've watched him out coach Fred Hoiberg. And I think Fred is a genius when it comes to the X's and O's. Still do, even though he's losing at Nebraska. I, I, I really appreciate the way he's gone about it. And you can always, people don't care about this if you're losing, if you're winning. It's refreshing to be a good guy because there's a lot of them who aren't. And he's one of the best dudes in this business. And anybody other than Bob Knight, um, Bob Knight was always so jaded about him. And I think it was probably because there's this younger guy over in Waco who's kicking his ass. Mm-hmm. And Bob didn't want to move with the times. That was always my read on that. Um, I just appreciate him. I think he's a guy who... People, people had a lot of fun with this guy back in the day, but I don't know how you can now. Like, I don't know how you're an Iowa State fan who can listen to this and not appreciate and respect the job he has done and how he's done it. And what I think is going to be so cool about Monday night is it's going to be the culmination of something for both teams. Whoever wins the game. If it's Gonzaga, it's the culmination of this tiny Jesuit school in... Spokane, Washington, which if you've ever been to Spokane, I, I've been to Spokane. I can tell you right now, that town sucks. One of the worst cities I've ever been to in my life. Really? I've never been Spokane, there. Spokane, Washington. Yeah, it's horrible. You never go. I can Worse tell you right now. Worse than Dayton? I've never been to Dayton, but I'm... Dayton's yes. awful. <laughs> Spokane is awful. And so if Mark Few can win a national championship like the culmination of, of everything that he's had to go through to build that program to get to that point, the great players that they've had, the near misses that they've had. It's the culmination of all of that with this historic season. If it's Scott Drew, it's him rebuilding this program. Man, if there's people out there who have not seen the documentary Disgraced on, show, on Showtime, I suggest that they go and watch it to understand the circumstances that Scott Drew was walking into in Waco when he was hired. Because it's it's unfathomable on some level. Yeah, we think T.J. Otzelberger has it bad. Right. Right, taking over an 0-19. But, like, that actually it's a good compare. Like, go and check out what Drew took over and then be like, oh, things aren't that bad here. They literally couldn't play non-conference games. Yeah. For, like, two years. I think, I, I almost, I swear, one of those years their first game was in Ames. I believe it. And that's what I'm saying. Like that, to build this program from there, from there to here over 18 years in both guys, 
have had every opportunity to take better jobs. Mark Few could have been the coach at any school in the country yeah. if he wanted to. Same thing. If he wants North Carolina, you think they're not taking that call? Absolutely. Scott Drew could be in the coach at any program in the country. And yet they decided to stay and they decided to build this. In Waco and Spokane. In Waco and Spokane. And they built it the hard way. Yeah. They didn't take the shortcuts. I mean, I guess Scott Drew maybe tried. Yeah. <laughs> or, but he earlier. evolved from it. He learned from it and he said, okay, this isn't going to work. We can't do it this way. Yeah, we're going to keep underperforming in big games because there's no cohesiveness within these rosters. And then you start taking guys that are... Freddie Gillespie transferred from a Division three school. He transferred from Carleton College, which is in... Uh, I think is in Northfield, which is where my roommate that I lived with at Simpson is from. Like, it's a tiny-ass town. It's not that much bigger than Clarinda. You know, mm-hmm. like, and now all of a sudden he's at Baylor and Freddie Gillespie became an all big 12 player. Like he started to take chances on people and knowing that they fit the way he wanted to play and they fit the system that he wanted to play. And you're seeing what this is now. And man, I got to give a lot of respect to the kids that are on that roster because like a guy like Adam Flagler, a guy like Macy Oteague, they could be the best player on hundreds of teams in the country right now. And yet they stayed in Waco to be the fourth best player, to be the fifth best guard on a team committed to winning a national championship. And you don't see that very often in college basketball in 2021, where these guys got older. And even though they transferred to this place, they thought they were going to be the star or something like that. They accepted this role as being a guy who comes off the bench. Not Teague, but Flagler in this scenario, or Matt Meyer in this scenario, that comes off the bench and comes in and does their absolute best and fill, and plays their role to the absolute best of their ability because they know that they can help the team win. And I have mad respect for that. I have mad respect for the way that both of these guys have built their programs over the years, and that's what's going to make it so cool. Someone's going to make history on Monday yeah, night. I, I, I remember like Gonzaga to me – growing up and you would have been really little. Uh, but I, I remember like when they were like the crazy 12 seed that was pulling off the upset beat Florida. Yeah. You know, like the kind of like Creighton too, but Creighton hasn't taken the steps that Gonzaga has. But I remember back then, you know, living in Southwest Iowa, Creighton basketball is a huge deal. And Dana Altman, like, and they'd win a 12, five game and they're like the Cinderella. And I, that's, I remember that Gonzaga and to see where it's come from and like and where they're at and there there's no flukes about either one of these teams. Um these these are the two guys who okay, what are they losing? A lot. Will they be there next year? Yeah. Because it's a culture and I listen, I'm not saying he's gonna be there, but that's the type of thing that TJ wants to build. Again, he may be a colossal failure and get fired in three years. I don't know. But I know and I I I've been with this guy since day one in the bunker. You know, I I know the type of guy he is and, like, what he's trying to build. That's the type of program he wants to build where it, TJ's mentor is Tony Bennett. Great example. You know, they're – sure, they'll have a down year every now – but they're always going to be in the mix because it's all about the culture. It's all about the type of guys. A little bit like Campbell, right? Like, that's what you strive to be. TJ has a long way to go. But that's why it's like, I know what its goal is. So when you tell me and you describe a guy like Robert Jones, it's okay, I can see it. When you talk about Gillespie being a D3 guy, okay. 
So, you know, you got to go with your gut at some point. And Drew is – I'm just a great admirer of him. I hope they win, uh, but I like the Zags too. I like Mark Few. I can't say a bad word about him. The point spread is four and a half. I've already bet Baylor just because I think this is a close game. I'm pissed at myself. If you would have bet this on Saturday morning, uh, you could have got it at six. You know, with the alternative lines, I should have just done it. I don't know why I was waiting around. I had such a busy weekend. I just didn't think to do it. Thanks to everybody who contributed to the St. Baldrick's too. By the way, we raised like uh, close to $7,000 is what we raised this year. Next year will be year number 10. I'm hoping to get, um, I'm hoping we'll cross $50,000 raised in that 10 years. So thank you to all of you for your generosity. But yeah, I bet Baylor at four and a half. I wish I would have taken to the six. I would have been really confident at the six. I think they could win the game. I think it's a toss up. Jared, you said like a week ago you thought Baylor would win. Do you still think that? I do. I think that they will. Okay. I feel even more strongly about that after the way that Saturday played out, which that game last night, instant classic. It, it might have been so the good. best basketball game I've ever watched in my life. It's so up there good. with game seven of the 20, whatever that was, 2015 NBA Finals. What the LeBron the and game I've ever the watched. Warriors? Yeah, when the, when LeBron Man. had the block to win. Best one I think I've ever been to in person. My it, There's been some damn good Kansas-Iowa State games in Sprint Center. But yeah. I'm, that'd be a fun summer pod for us. Keep that in mind. The last the last thing I want to say, and this is about Mark Few, I think people forget how big of a deal Adam Morrison was in 2007. It would have been really easy for him to ride the wave of what that was and go somewhere else and do something different and coach a different program or whatever. He could have had any job like we mentioned in the country. Instead, he stayed there. And you had this guy who was a generational talent, one of the best that, I, that we've ever seen in, the, in this century in college basketball, and has continued to just keep pounding the rock, you know, keep sawing wood to take a Mark Mangino uh, slogan. And to see them here now, like, it's so cool. Like, that's what makes this so fun. It's not Duke. It's not Kentucky. It's not North Carolina. Yeah, it's great. These are just two schools in the middle of nowhere that love basketball. And that's what gets me so excited, man. I'm jacked up. I'm going to be locked in. Uh, and I, I hope that it's a well, great game. I think that it will be just an open invite. If you want to come watch it on the big screen, let's do it. Let's you're, do it. I'll be all, there. You're always welcome in the, uh, you're talking to a fully vaccinated, uh, 36 year old man here. Sick brag, bro. Uh, fully vaccinated with antibodies. That's Hell like that's a hundred percent right oh. there. That's basically a hundred percent. We're at our Easter deal today, and it, my my in laws they have one of their um, vaccines, and I, I was like, "Hey, I'm the safest dude on the planet. Y'all don't get a distance from me." I was like, I, "How I, many bush lights did Justin pound back today?" Jeez, oh, I mean twelve at least. But I, I told my that, mother in law, "I was like, like on the low I side, cough in your face, and you'd be safe." <laughs> But anyways, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, we we do appreciate it. Jared, uh, God, you come so far on all this, so good job. Thanks. Uh, appreciate you, as always. Hopefully, Bloom will be back next week. I uh, He was just not feeling well, and I was like, dude, don't push it. We'll bring Stansbury in. And uh, I think it was a good podcast. So with that, let's fire up some English, and we'll get out of here. We're going to have good pods coming up um, in the month of April. 
Jared's working on some spring football stuff uh, with some former players. We have not forgotten about football, I promise. The top five Cyclones, by the way. I already say top ten. I'm going to call them top five. We'll um, be doing a lot of that. Uh, Rob's covering the Cyclone football team, as is Jared. But there's just been so much basketball stuff. And if you're not a premium member, what the hell are you waiting on? There's never been a better time. There probably won't ever be a better time, actually. Check that out. And you're supporting our free website. Appreciate y'all listening. Uh, Williamson Bloom. Nice assist from stands here on your Sunday on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network.